Ladies, gentlemen, or what have you, I'm Orion Lavelle. And I'm Travis Mattingly. And you're listening to Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast, where on this day, we're going to do some more Beholder stuff. We got more Beholder stuff in store. The last two yeah. remaining Beholder stuffs. You thought you were done, but we're going right back in. We got more eyeballs to talk about. Oh man, at least 14 more eyeballs. <laughs> it's actually like 15, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Technically, no. Technically? Technically, it's only five. Only, well, yes, I guess you're right. If you look at the picture of the tyrant. I guess you're right. We did already talk about those first ten eyeballs before, so we may just skip past them a bit. I'm counting the death tyrant's floaty wisps as eyes, because I think they're supposed to be eyes. Oh, how dare you. Well, I think they're supposed to be eyes. Fine. So, like, we're doing death tyrants and spectators, the remaining two beholders. Um... It's not quite the same as Angels, where, you know, Angels had much more of a challenge rating curve to them, right? So there was clearly a shitty Angel versus a good Angel. Beholders yeah. are a little bit different. There's, like, regular Beholders, Death Tyrants, which are, like, like the more powerful Beholders, but weird, kind of. And then Spectators, which are, you know, ostensibly the weaker Beholder, but also, in many cases, kind of just better than regular Beholders at least mechanically or perhaps in what they can do, which to me is like a lot more interesting than the straight, you know, lesser angel, standard angel, greater angels that we saw with yeah. Solars and Planetars and uh, Deva. Yeah, it it's the, um, it's different variants for flavor as opposed to, yeah, here's, Here's, like, the bell curve of monsters for you to throw at your party at different levels. Yes, I think you're right there. I think it's a different flavor around it. Whereas instead of greater beholders, this is undead beholders, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so for the most part, they all remain similarly. So death tyrants and regular beholders are almost interchangeable, excepting, you know, some num numerical differences and then one big thing that they have that is different. Uh, and then spectators and regular beholders are crazy different, though they they hold like a similar philosophy to their design. Yeah. So Travis. Uh huh. I've been. <laughs> yes, Papa, right? <laughs> yes, Papa. I uh I've been holding on to this guy for like two weeks because I keep forgetting to bring him up while we record. This All is right. in no way related to tooth and nail shit. I just love the idea <laughs> okay. of uh like. I've been calling him affectionately MC Overshare. He's okay. basically like a hype man that just, you know, tells way too much about the subject of his hype's life. So like, <laughs> okay. My boy hasn't cried since his last divorce. <laughs> that sort of thing. Okay. Right. <laughs> the last time he went to bed was 25. <laughs> the age 25. The age 25 yeah. just repeats that, yeah. Yeah, and then the guy's like, come on, MC Overshare. But they're, <laughs> but they're like friends, so it's not like a, uh, it's not a service that he's providing. They're just like, you know, I have to keep this guy as my hype man because he's my, my friend and I don't want to have to fire him. He's my best friend and he's afraid of nothing except maybe spiders. <laughs> yeah, so like it's always couched in like bravado. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> My boy's in crippling debt because of his major parties. <laughs> and he, and then he, the, the he guy, throws mad parties. Everybody loves them. Now he's broke. He's got no funding. Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of thing. And he's just like, well, thanks. 
MC overshare, but I, I'd really love it if you didn't tell people about those private things about my life. Yeah, the debt thing you could have left out, like the parties was good enough. You. I can't hear you over your adult diapers. Well, okay, all right, look. That sort of thing. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I've been, I've been affectionately carrying around MC overshare in my brain for a couple of weeks, just waiting to use it. <laughs> I. I gotta be honest, I was really expecting something even tangentially beholder related. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm glad that you've brought that to me, though. I, ap I appreciate it. MC Overshare aside, let's talk about beholders now. Yeah, alright. Let's do it. <laughs> So, Death Tyrants. <laughs> death Tyrants are effectively like an extension of that thing that I, I think is really cool about Beholders, in which that, you know, their dreams can shape the reality around them, including themselves. So in this particular scenario, the Beholder basically just dreams about being a lich and then becomes undead. Just wake up dead. <laughs> How you wake up dead? I don't want to go How into that whole dead. reference. Oh, man, we're not doing deep cuts. <laughs> no, well, whatever. Fuck it, we already did it. That's the real joke. <laughs> this kind of stipulation, this, like, lore detail, it really makes me a want a lineup of all of the different categories of monsters just in Beholder form. So I want, like, a Beholder that dreams they're a fucking sick robot and then they wake up and become <laughs> a fucking sick robot. That is amazing. I would love all of that. Yeah, Construct Beholder. <laughs> There's like, <laughs> there's like a werewolf, but the head of it is a beholder. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to be a werewolf so bad. Yeah, there's the one that dreams of itself back when it was supposed to be like a Grecian monstrosity. And so it's just like Greek beholder. Oh, uh, so it's like a Gorgon. It's like a Gorgon Cyclops. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, artistically, the one we get is pretty simple. The Death Tyrant, that is. It's pretty simple. Just imagine a big floating spiny beholder skull. Uh, it's got the glowy red undead eye thing that we saw a bajillion times in Dark Souls and probably will continue to see in the future. That old chestnut. Evil eye. Yeah, this one brings even more glowing red eyes into the mix in the form of little red eye wisps that float around the skull in lieu of the eye stalks that a Beholder would typically have. D&D &D never fully gave up on the giant floating skull archetype of monster, and I just love them for that. Yeah, I love giant floaty skull. Demi-liches are awesome. Yeah, they never get, even with the badass art style, it's still just a floating big ol' skull, and I, <laughs> I just Screaming like... Screaming from where there are no lungs. Yeah, I respect them for the silliness of that decision. <laughs> I respect that. Neat's ah. Uh, anatomical note the skull of the death tyrant actually has little holes eye holes for eye stalks which i oh, like yeah. yeah i didn't it didn't click for me immediately i because i'd never considered it because nothing in the real world that has eye stalks also has a skull so like it never dawned on me but if you look closely there are holes because the eye stalks have to connect to the brain somehow yeah yeah i didn't even notice that i got the first time i looked at it i registered them as like shadows for some yeah, but yeah, they're definitely holes. Yeah, it's another one of those weird moments where, like, the, the lighting in the picture kind of, you know, plays around with it a little bit, messes with the, the readability of the painting. But, yeah, those are, in fact, eye holes, which was a cute touch to my mind. Yeah. 
Thing number, the second that I like about the artistic depiction of this death tyrant is that uh, because it's a skull, it can't fucking growl at me like the rest of the badass D&D monsters that we get in this book. <laughs> yeah, the way it looks is just kind of moaning. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> oh, I'm so dead. <laughs> so yeah, on the whole, it, it does the job for me. The death tyrant picture does. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of the lore, there's not much to these guys. They're, the lore bits that we get are mostly just there to guide how you play them. And to that end, they're they're pretty much just big necromancers. So like, instead of an anti-magic field that the standard beholder gets, the death tyrant, its middle eye, is fueled with the power of undeath. Uh, the step lock expressly references negative energy which is kind of an old D&D staple that isn't really, uh, it's not very elaborated upon in 5th edition so much. I do like that they, <laughs> I, I wish that they would like expand on positive and negative again if they're going to include it at all, but then there's like a little part of me that kind of just likes that they're leaving it in there yeah. uh, for kind of interpretation. I think in context, it's pretty explanatory. As a result of this undead negative energy the death tyrant is able to raise zombies from corpses just by looking at them so you know at that point it becomes the whole necromancer army thing where the death tyrant megalomaniacally lays waste to an entire city and then uses all of the dead to make more zombies to lay waste to more cities in this huge tidal wave of zombos and then in the meantime obviously the zombies are used as guards and slaves and all that sort of stuff right and then there's the whole uh Anybody inside the the cone of negative energy can't regain hit points, which is how it kind of fucks over people that are alive. Yes, yes, we will get to that when we get to the proper mechanics, which, I mean, like, we might as well do right now. I guess pretty much all I have to say is that the, the lore part that we get of the Death Tyrant is fairly standard for anything that can raise dead in D&D. You tend to get these sorts of stories, but the notes that we do get are... Useful instructions for how to, you know, use and set up your particular Death Tyrant dungeon. Right. Yeah. Mechanically, they operate pretty much exactly the same as Beholders. They get the exact same lair actions as the standard Beholder, as well as the little challenge rating boost for being in their lair. Mechanically, the lair actions are just the same. They're just reflavored to be ghost-themed. So, like, instead of slime, it's ghost tentacles that makes the difficult terrain. Mm. Yeah. I was I was gonna say it does seem a little bit uh, uh like half on the lazy side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other half, it's like, well, at least they reflavored it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely a reskin. Say of that what you will. Oh, whatever. If it works mechanically, it works mechanically. Um, I don't know. They sure they could have done more. Whatever. The 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 weird thing about it is that mechanically it is kind of less effective now because the difficult terrain and the grasping appendages stuff are not as dangerous anymore because players now at this point have their full range of magic because the death tyrant can't do the anti-magic thing instead they get the zombie thing right so now players are more empowered to just fly or teleport where they need to go and are less hampered by difficult terrain and mildly restrictive ghost arms I had an idea for a layer action to throw in there, but... Yeah, what do you got? I mean, like, under the assumption that your Death Tyrant has, like, some undead minions already, mm -hmm. right? Uh, just have a layer action where if one of them is dead, it can reanimate one. Yeah, 
Yep. As like a ba- as like a basic skeleton, just like every two turns, one of the skeletons comes back. Yeah, yeah. I think that yeah, why not? Right? Because there yeah. there's a limit on the negative energy cone that they have. We'll talk about it in a minute, but uh, it's not like it can just make everything raise whenever it wants to. It has to be a specific condition. So yeah. like uh, a animate dead layer action, I think would be good and appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, it's in like. At the level you would be fighting a death tyrant, one extra skeleton every two turns is nothing. Yeah. So, like, so like it's, you know. Just there to throw some bodies in. Uh, yeah. To kind of flesh out the horde that I think the death tyrant is supposed to be attached to. Right. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, kind of minor changes. The grasping appendages now have a higher escape DC, as they should. It's a higher DC monster. Or a, a higher challenge rating monster. And the layer action I-beam can only pop out within 50 feet of the death tyrant as opposed to the standard beholder's 60 foot range which is kind of weird but i think the idea is like the developers want this to be a denser smaller encounter than a standard beholder is i think the Mm -hmm. idea is so like where the standard beholder is a chase me around while i shoot eye beams at you the death tyrant is more of a push through this crowd of zombies while i shoot eye beams at you kind of fight yeah yeah so the the room can be smaller a little bit less of a longer range kiting possibility. Yeah, and more of a like uh I I specifically name reference it later in the notes, but more of like a ROM or a Deacons of the Deep kind of Dark right. Souls fight, like a football, you know, run past the ads in order to do damage to the thing that matters kind of fight. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. The regional effects are kind of shittier than what the regular beholder gets. They take out the cool one in favor of just more I beams. So instead of the dream warp thing that standard beholders get where they can, you know, create sanity effect-esque kind of stuff, death tyrants just shoot an eye ray. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When a creature is hostile to and aware of the death tyrant finishes a long rest within a mile of the tyrant's lair, you roll a d20 and on a 10 or lower, they get eye rayed. So, like, it it doesn't really come to much because none of the eye rays, I feel like, do anything terribly threatening when you're not in combat. Yeah. It's just kind of there. Worst case scenario, you get disintegrated a mile away from the thing. But like that's, there's so much that has to happen for that to happen. Yeah. (laughs) It feels like it's mostly just there to wear the party down. Like, oh, you took away some hit points. Let me, you know, re-up with some spells that I won't have later on when I actually fight the Death Tyrant. Yeah. it's And it's at the end of a long rest. So like... There's nothing like it. They would be, you would be hard pressed to kill anybody at the end of a long rest in fifth edition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dumb. It's pretty dumb compared to, especially since I like my regional effects to be these like fun little flavor things as opposed to actual yeah. mechanical things. The madness thing is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not my favorite. So as for the stat block proper of the death tyrant it is pretty much just the standard beholder with bigger numbers such that it has a challenge rating of 14 a higher ac of 19 still pretty low hp of 187 and the same old hover speed of 20 it's got a little bit higher intelligence and charisma it's got uh weirdly significantly lower constitution the death tyrant has 14 compared to the standard beholder's 18 which like oh skeletons are brittle is but I'm taken from this. I guess so. Because like a combination of that and like they don't have to worry about making constitution saves for anything as they are skeletons. I guess so. <laughs> I don't really, I don't totally know what to make of that. The 
hit points of the death tyrant go don't go down. So I don't know. Well, I can. Uh, <laughs> the reason for that is that the regular beholder is the average HP of 19 D10, but the death tyrant gets 25 D10 for some reason. Mm, yeah. Even though it is only one challenge rating higher. I don't. I don't know. It's so hard to. So like by and large, armor class is accurately computed for every monster. So like if something's wearing armor and has the appropriate decks, they'll have the right armor class. Hit points get really weird cuz like you some you'll generally get the right bonuses, but the dice that you roll is strange. Yeah, so- I think what it is is that for making monsters, it's like they want to keep the hit points within a certain range no matter what the stats are. Yes. And so as that, they just kind of flub the dice to get the hit points where they need them to be. Yes. And then make the stats what they want them to be. Yes. Yes. So then, Which makes yeah. making your own monster a fucking disaster sometimes because you're like, this doesn't make sense. Am I doing it wrong? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. It's weird. And then, yeah. So I have no idea why they have a lower constitution other than they just wanted a brittle skeleton death tyrant or something. I'm not sure. Uh, is, is there any spells that aren't poison related that need constitution saves i don't like like a frost breath from a dragon is the only thing i can think of yeah yeah i i don't know just trying to We're, yeah just trying to galaxy brain like why yeah. they would do it <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't think i could come up with a reason if i wanted to so i'm just gonna forget about it <laughs> Fair enough. uh so these guys they are a lot more defensively capable with bonuses to their strength and constitution saves along with bonuses to all the mental saves as well. So, like, I'm imagining that they wanted to slap on some more armor class and some extra saving throw bonuses because the Death Tyrant is supposed to be more often in range than the Beholder is. Mm -hmm. So if the idea is, like, the standard Beholder is all the way on the other side of a room and you're trying to get to the Beholder, and the Death Tyrant is right just on the other side of this bunch of zombies, the Death Tyrant is more able to be targeted by spells and arrows and shit like that. So they wanted to, you know, up his defensive capabilities a bit more. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Otherwise, the perception is the same. The languages are the same. It hovers, so it can't be knocked prone. Importantly, the Death Tyrant, being undead, is immune to poison damage, and it can't be charmed, exhausted, paralyzed, petrified, or poisoned. Again, the Death Tyrant is much more durable, in line with what we know about what undead monsters typically get in terms of resistances and immunities. Weirdly, it doesn't have any resistances to cold or necrotic, which is... Mm -hmm. A typical staple of undead monsters yeah it's i was trying to think of a way to like rationalize like the way things are stat wise with what a beholder thinks a lich is mm-hmm. like yeah like would a beholder know about cold and necrotic resistance of a lich like yeah that's interesting it's strange again like it doesn't maybe yeah maybe that's what it is is the fact that they are a strange breed of undead, they don't quite get it, or, like, the nature of their gestation uh, have have turned them into weird undead. The shitty bite is the same. The eye rays are pretty much the same, with a DC 17 instead of the regular Beholder 16, and the legendary action eye rays are the same as well. What does make the Death Tyrant special is that it has this weird negative energy cone that we talked about. So basically, uh, with as with the anti-magic cone that the regular Beholder has, the Death Tyrant sets the direction of the cone and whether or not the cone is active at the start of its turn. 
Interestingly, this cone is specifically invisible, though it has the same uh, the same range as the antimagic cone. It goes out to 150 feet. Okay, so let me tell you what it does real quick. The negative energy cone, creatures that are in the area of the cone can't regain hit any hit points, and any humanoid that dies there becomes a zombie under the tyrant's command on the next turn. It raises on its next turn. The notion of making this cone invisible feels kind of at best not necessary and at worst kind of shitty to me uh-huh in that like you know either you recognize that you're in the cone when the skeletons show up or you recognize that you're in the cone when the cleric burns their fifth level heal on you and yeah. it does nothing or your potion you know that you scrounged for is useless yeah it unnecessarily ends up making it like a are we within range? I don't know. Is it looking at us? I think. Like, yeah. yeah, so like, best case scenario, it's unnecessary. Worst case scenario, you're going to screw the players kind of unfairly. What would you, instead of invisible, what would you have it just be like kind of a, a you know, weird, wavy... Yeah, I mean, like, why not, right? I think it would be more yeah. valuable to see where the cone is, specifically because I kind of like the idea of planning around it. So like... It's kind of macabre, but, like, if you're the fighter with, whatever, 12 HP left, you know you're going to go down in a turn. I like the idea of playing the long game and specifically maneuvering your own self such that you won't be a zombie when you die in a turn or two. <laughs> kind of like how, like, in every zombie movie where the guy gets bitten and then they shoot themselves so they don't become a zombie. It's yeah, that kind of mentality. I kind of like that. I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> that is pretty fun which i imagine that's almost what the designers were trying to avoid like they didn't want the energy cone to be exploitable in that way they kind of wanted the surprise of like oh i'm gonna turn into a zombie also i can't gain hp while i'm here but i would prefer this cone just be area denial than a shitty surprise yeah yeah i agree yes so all of those things i i also like the idea of knowing whether or not you're going to turn into a zombie when you die in the same way that I like death saves, which is that, you know, once you're down, there's still an impetus for action in that, like, in the early levels, when you're knocked out, it becomes, we gotta, we gotta feed Joe a healing potion because he's only got one more death save left and we want him back up in the game. Now the impetus is we need to either raise Jeff from the dead or, you know, rearrange the death tyrant's focus because if we don't do it now we'll have to waste another action destroying jeff the zombie which is an action that we could use to fight more death tyrant Oof. <laughs> yeah that sounds a lot more uh, uh sounds a lot more interesting to deal with uh, being able to plan around it like that yeah absolutely as opposed to just oh now there are zombies oh i can't heal <laughs> and especially since the death tyrant is so focused around maneuvering around things I feel like the idea of having the negative energy cone being more explicitly a an area denial sort of effect, I think that would be effective and appropriate for the kind of fight that the Death Tyrant fight is. Yeah, I agree. But yeah. Uh, so yes, this is the trait uh, that what makes the Death Tyrant the Death Tyrant. Uh, since the rules say that any humanoid that dies in the cone gets reanimated, zombies whose bodies aren't obliterated are constantly being re-raised during the course of this fight. So again, I'm imagining something like one of those Dark Souls bosses I enumerated earlier, where the idea is you're either 
fighting back hordes of zombies while they're trying to kill you, uh, at the same time trying to maneuver around the zombies in order to deal damage to the Death Tyrant specifically. And of course, the Death Tyrant is spending the entire time floating over the hordes of zombies, trying to stay on the other side of the players, keeping bodies in between itself and your murder hobos. Yeah, for sure. It's always trying to keep both you and its minions in its eye beam. <laughs> yes, which I think would be pretty neat and totally doable. I think, again, the invisible cone is not good for me, but everything else, I feel like the Death Tyrant is a pretty good representation of that kind of necromancer ad fight. One of the things I don't think I brought up during the regular Beholder uh, conversation, which absolutely applies to both of these, mm. is like the shitty thing to do where you just make it like a small room that the cone covers the entirety of. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a very rude boy thing to do. Yes, that would be <laughs> rude, but it would kind of be okay because it, then the Beholder yeah. can't get very far away. Yeah, it would definitely be, at the very least, okay with this one. Because with this one, it doesn't stop magic. With the other one, if, like, the Beholder could float, like, 40 feet in the air in the corner of a room and still look at the entire room with its cone. Yeah, but then it can't target with eye rays, so it would just be kind of a boring fight, not necessarily. I guess It would be true. bad from a design standpoint, not an unfair fight. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I think it would actually be way shittier to have a death tyrant do that because then you can't get your hit points back and also we can shoot rays at you. Yeah, and also its minions come back. And also, turn. yeah, the zombies. Yeah. So put these guys in a bigger space, please. Yeah. Be nice. Yeah, be good. Be good guys. But yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about death tyrants. <laughs> I was gonna say that was more than I thought we were going to say about them, to be honest. It's yeah. like Well they <laughs> Death tyrants to beholders are like the Azers to the dwarves. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they're slightly more interesting than Azers are to well, dwarves. Yeah. But, you know, they're they're not like in more or less everything that you have to say about a beholder. You can say about a death tyrant. Beholder, but skull. Yes. I think spectators are pretty fucking cool, though. Yeah, they're wild looking. Yeah, so these are ostensibly the lesser tier of beholders that I actually think work out mechanically better than regular beholders do. So effectively, they are magically bound beholders that act as self-aware guard dogs. The picture that we get of these guys looks like a particularly spiny green beholder with a turquoise central eye and this really long tentacle tongue and instead of the 10 eye stalks that a regular beholder would get, a spectator only gets four that stick out on the other side of its skull, each either side of its skull. Yeah. Spectators are also noticeably smaller than regular beholders. They are category size smaller, being medium. The book actually specifies it's four feet across. So there you go. In terms of the lore for these guys, spectators are summoned from other planes of existence. The plane in particular is kept non-specific. They're summoned from other planes of existence by a magical ritual that utilizes and consumes four Beholder eye stalks. Hence, you know, the spectator's four eyes there. I don't think the... They're specifically summoned in from another plane. They're not being created. So I'm imagining you're just like, you know, yeah. baiting a spectator here. Like, I'm a Beholder. These are my four eyes. Come at me, bro. Yeah, 
that that's the thing that kind of I didn't like about this little opening paragraph is because I wish it was like it was the ritual that created it yeah. from these harvested eye stalks. I think I but, think I prefer it that way as well. I think I would because they I think the spectator relies on the kind of player that loves beholders like has affection for beholders because this is very much you know this is the tragic beholder that i asked for in the last episode (laughs) so we wish you could make them as it is i kind of i kind of like the idea of there just being a plane of shitty beholders somewhere in the multiverse i'd like some more spectator details i don't know if volo's guide goes into it uh i'd like to see like because it doesn't say if they have the same control over the dreamscape that regular beholders do like i don't know how more right. spectators get made can they dream each other into existence i'm not totally sure oh man that's a very good question yeah <laughs> i i i think volos might answer some of that stuff but i don't totally know and if it doesn't i'm disappointed by it so don't at me about it anyway Once a spectator is summoned, it is magically compelled by this magic binding to guard a location or a treasure of the summoner's choice for 101 years. It is a smart creature, it has intelligence, so it can also obey more complex instructions, so it can be instructed to let specific people buy. If the item what needs guarding is stolen or destroyed, the binding is interrupted and the spectator just disappears. The book is non-specific as to where, ostensibly back to its own plane, which is kind of strange and contradictory because we get later on that if the spectator fulfills its oath, like its magic oath to guard for 101 years, once the thing is done, it's given complete freedom to do whatever it wants. Yeah. So that's a weird point of contention, or at least a weird way that the spell works. Yeah, it it is a fun little... Uh... <laughs> Like, uh, if this were a video game, there'd be like, like if this were Dishonored, it'd be like, here's your assassination route, and here's your secondary thing. It's just like, steal the item that the spectator is guarding, and it just banishes. You know, you might be right. You might be right. So, like, here's the the real emotional pathos thing for spectators. They are not inherently evil. They're neutral creatures. They're lawful neutral. Consequently, they seem to be, like, kind of affable in that they will just chat with whoever happens across it while it guards and it'll talk about its orders or its summoner or just things about its life that having been said these spectators they are known to be negatively impacted by the years of isolation guarding this one specific spot by itself which typically manifest in like cute high fantasy zaniness thing which like you know never mind the severe psychological damage that has happened to this thing that is effectively a person (laughs) But whatever. Yeah. So they get like cute things like they talk in the third person or quote unquote invent imaginary enemies. They still have the general arrogance of the beholder. They still think they're the best of their kind. So they'll try to kill other spectators and probably beholders too that they find. Kind of tragically, once they fill out their servitude, they're free to live their lives. Generally, the book tells us that like the sad Futurama dog, they just kind of stick around in the place that they've been guarding for the last century, especially if their summoners have died. Uh... And then to rub even more salt in the wound, the psychological trauma brought on by all the isolation becomes exacerbated because they have no purpose now. So like, thanks, Wizards of the Coast. I wanted the tragic beholder. Here's my fucking tragic beholder. 
Yep, here's here's just a mountain of tragedy. Here's my sad beholder. Thanks. <laughs> I yeah, I suspect that the years of people loving beholders has resulted in Wizards of the Coast making a more expressly sympathetic version of a beholder. So like, here's your cute dog beholder, you monsters. I was just thinking about it, and one of the things that I like about the madness is the the madness of tries to adopt the voice of its summoner. Yeah. But also, it can only speak deep speech in undercommon, so like... Oh, that's kind of, Well, yeah, so we'll get to that. It, it can only speak deep speech in undercommon. It has telepathy, and telepathy is not reliant on a language. So. Yeah, but this very specifically says tries to adopt the voice, right? So, like, the thing that made me laugh was, like, trying to think of a beholder that can't speak common and knows zero common adapting an accent that uses common yeah. to try to... Yeah, I like that. <laughs> like, you know, Americans that try to speak French. Yeah, just, yeah. And like, just completely making up English, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, that would be cute. So, mechanically, the spectator works like you would expect a lesser beholder would, but the spectator has a couple of little modifications to the basic beholder formula that make them very interesting. So the spectator is a weaker monster, statistically. It has a challenge rating of three, but it still has the general spread of a beholder stats. So it has the slightly higher AC of 14 and a really low HP of 37. Weirdly, the spectator has a faster than regular beholder speed of 30. It has a, a hover speed of 30. Doesn't have all those eye stalks slowing it down. I guess. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, the, my best guess is that, you know, compared to the standard beholder, a standard beholder could be killed in a round of combat. This guy at level three could probably get destroyed in like two or three turns. Mm -hmm. So my best guess is that, you know, in the situation where you meet a spectator, it's not immediately hostile to you you're probably not immediately hostile to it. I can imagine the party just walking up to chat with the spectator, getting the spectator real close into stabbing distance, and then once the conversation goes south and actual combat begins, the spectator's kind of at a disadvantage. So I imagine they wanted to give him a, a little bit of extra movement speed to be able to bail out in case the conversation goes sour or the party realizes like, fuck, we kind of got to kill this thing if we want the <laughs> MacGuffin to solve our adventure, right? Yeah. So its stats are solid, fairly above average all around, except in its strength and its charisma. Again, I'm guessing that they wanted the spectator saves in AC to be relatively good to make up for its super tiny HP and also the fact that it's probably going to start combat in range with whatever it's combating. It's got a plus six to perception. It's got dark vision out to 120 feet. It can't be prone, you know, the beholder stuff. It speaks deep speech and undercommon. But the special thing that spectators get, again, it gets telepathy out to 120 feet, which means that it can talk to whatever it wants, and the languages that it does know doesn't really matter. Like Joe pointed out, in this case, the, once again, the language part of the monster block is the least important part. Yeah. The spectator gets a shitty bite, like a really shitty bite, like this is oh, the boy. worst attack we've had on this show <laughs> so far. Uh, it gets a one, a plus one to hit and it does an average of two damage. So, <laughs> I don't know if this is like a holdover from a way previous edition, but spectators have been around since first edition. Sure. Um, and in first edition, they had a very specific reason that their bite was so shitty. Oh, really? Um, here's a picture of a first edition spectator. 
Oh. They just kind of had a floppy, no-jawed mouth. Yeah. It was, it's like a gibbering mouther at the bottom of the spectator. Yeah, there wasn't much, like, yeah. <laughs> like just kind of, like, reading over it, there wasn't much of a muscular structure to spectators. They were a lot more kind of... Yeah, it's not a jaw so much as, like, a fish flap. Yeah, and, like, even the whole... Like, the art for 5th edition makes them look more like regular beholders, but kind of, like, when they were first put into the game, they were so... They were more jellyfish than bone in 1st edition. And the, the strength stat kind of followed them, but I feel like the aesthetic kind of lost some of that. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I... I like how that provides context for what is, in fact, the worst attack we've had in this show so far. <laughs> it's, it might very well, aside from, like, CR 1-8th creatures, be the worst attack in the game. No, man, the next CR 1-8th creature we have does better than this. Oh, my dude. The next one, I checked it out, it's Blight, <laughs> and they still have a better attack than this one. <laughs> I think this may St- be just the worst attack that a monster gets in this game. Oh, spectators, my dude. Yeah, but they make up for it with the rest of the stuff. So let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the eye beams. Yeah, right. So it works, you know, the the basic structure works like a beholder would in that, you know, they have to, they, they have a range of 90 feet. They shoot out the eye beam. What makes the spectator different and interesting is that A, it can shoot up to two eye beams once per action. B, it can target up to two people with each one of those I-beams it shoots out. And C, it motherfucking chooses the beams it gets to use. Yeah, you ain't got to roll for shit. Yeah, so like the spectator shows up just fulfilling all of our dreams. I want a tragic beholder. Joe was talking about a beholder that chooses its I-beams. Bada boom, spectator fills all of our fantasies. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> I was I was starting to choke on something. <coughs> Fulfill your fantasies of staying alive and not choking to death. Are you okay? <coughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm good. <coughs> Spe- spectators are the best monster of all time. Burp. Travis. <laughs> no, but yeah. No, I agree. Uh, choose- choosing beams was one of the main things that I was hoping that any beholder would have. Just because, like... Man, I just want to be able to strategize. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Spectators are way more deterministic than regular beholders are, and I super appreciate them for it. Again, I think I like spectators more than any of the other beholders in the book, any of the other two beholders that we get. Yeah, I think as a sort of consolation for it getting to choose its own beams, the DC is pretty low. Yeah, well, that's also an artifact of uh, its low CR, and actually the save DC... Save DC. <laughs> the save DC for all of its four rays are average for its challenge rating. Oh, really? Yeah. It just feels very low, I guess. Yeah. I no, I I cross-reference it with the stats that the stat thing that we get in the Dungeon Master Guide. So, like, yeah. you know, take that what you will, because those numbers are known to be kind of fiddly. But mm-hmm. as we get in the Dungeon Master's Guide, the 13 save DC is average for a CR3 monster. Well, I'll be damned. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, my hot takes for each ray. Ray number the first. We got a confusion ray. Wisdom save, or you can't take reactions until the end of your next turn. You can't move on that turn, and you have to make a melee or ranged attack against a random creature in range. Kind of like uh, Crown of Madness, that spell. If there's nothing in range, you do nothing. So it's like a lesser version of charm. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Moving on. Paralyzing ray. 
Con save or get paralyzed with a renewed save at the end of each of your turns. Kind of harsh, but since the Beholder is only targeting one person around with this, it doesn't feel so bad. I may not have mentioned once you do array in this turn, you can't, so you can't duplicate rays. You can only use array once per turn. Right. Realistically, if it's a party of five and the Beholder or the Spectator can only paralyze maybe one person per round, it doesn't feel so bad. Yeah, plus, I mean, like, it's a CR3 and at third level your wizards and stuff would have access to hold person. So, like, paralyzing isn't something you have no experience with at level three. Yeah, it feels kind of on even terms. Yeah. Without, like, destroying the party. Especially since, like, when you're paralyzed, what's it gonna do? Bite you a little better? Yeah. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah, the the other source of damage it has is a save anyway, so, like... Yeah, a save that being paralyzed doesn't affect. Yeah, it's a constitution <laughs> save, so who even really cares? It's just another means of keeping the fighter from swinging its greatsword at the spectator. Yeah. Next ray, it's, it gets a fear ray. Wisdom save or get frightened for a minute. You get a renewed save at the end of each of your turns, uh, but it has disadvantage. That renewed save has disadvantage if the spectator is in sight, which is kind of what blurs the line of usefulness between this and the paralyzed ray. Right. Yep, I have no problem with it. It's frightened. Do it yep. up. And then lastly, the fourth and the only damage ray, the wounding ray, which is a constitution save, as we mentioned, or you take a pretty solid 16, you know, quote unquote, 3d10 necrotic damage, half as much on a successful save. This is one of those weird beholder things where, you know, and this applies to all of the beholders, the damage per round that they get is not very much, but the fact that all of the damage is focused on one person can get kind of scary. Yeah. So like, you know... And we say this every time, but this could take out your wizard. Yeah, at level three, the, yeah, this could take out your wizard for sure. Yeah, not the hugest deal. You can just pop a potion because they don't die, but yeah, whatever. It's one of those things. <laughs> it's no disintegration. Yeah, which, which like I'm starting to just kind of come around to. I'm not as, maybe it's just because, you know, half of the monsters we get in the monster manual can just do that, can just one shot knock out a weaker character. Yeah. I, I'm starting to kind of just come to peace with the notion that in most combats, someone is going to get knocked out and it's just another source of play that, you know, you always want some potions around or you always want a healer around and just their job at that point is to round up all of the people who have been knocked out. Yeah, I'm starting to sort of come to terms with that too, as yeah, as <laughs> the, la the, the last time we played D&D. Where you KO'd our rogue instantly, <laughs> you scoundrel. Hey, it's not my fault. Yeah. She failed a dex save. That's true, that's true. <laughs> it was a poor, it was a poor roll, and she didn't have evasion. <laughs> that's the main thing at fault. Always get evasion. <laughs> so yeah. Since the spectator is only targeting at most two party members per round, and the, you know, the average party is about five players, I can imagine maybe three or four player characters are going to have a debuff on them at one time. So, like, yeah. in your average team of five, you'll still have at least one or two people who can still deal damage or chip away at the spectator. As always, RNG can turn this into a major shit show, but I think as it is, it's balanced enough to still be chaotic and fun so i think you know just this i beam thing that the spectator can do i think is still good and fine i think it's yeah, yeah i think it's deterministic while still keeping the spirit of fighting a beholder which is we have to endure a lot of status effects in order to get to this thing that's floating around us 
Yeah, and like the the status effects that you get inflicted with aren't as well. Aside from being paralyzed, aren't as crippling as like a petrification or yeah, yeah. Nothing's gonna hurt you severely forever. They're just gonna yeah. slow you down, which is fine. Yeah. Yes. So all of that is good. Consider this next thing a bonus. This is icing this on the cake. This next thing is my favorite thing. It's so cool. So <laughs> I a, love it so much. It's so good. <laughs> as a reaction, the spectator can do this thing called spell reflection, where if a spell attack misses the spectator, or if the spectator makes a save against a spell, the spectator can pick another creature within 30 feet of it to be targeted by that spell with re-rolled attacks or saves. My dude. This is so great. <laughs> Your wizard is just another iray of the spectator. <laughs> <laughs> so like the <laughs> the best part about this is that like because the spectator stats are kind of so okay yeah. and it has no bonuses to saving throws, yes. it's not incredibly likely no that this will happen. No. Uh its AC is 14, so that's like Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but, like, <laughs> it also is so vague, it sort of implies that if it get, it even if it gets hit by an area of effect spell, oh. it can reflect. It doesn't say if it's the target of a spell and makes the saving throw. It yes. just says if it makes a successful saving throw against a spell. You know, I had that floating around in the back of my brain, but I think you're totally right, like... I don't, you're not going to have fireball at this point, but if you try to fireball a spectator, it can just redirect a bit of the fireball to take out somebody nearby. Yeah, just like, uh, just bounce off of its eyeball and just flies 30 feet back at you. Like, yeah. oh no. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> like, I love that the spectator is good and also it has this neat thing. Man, like this... Absolutely, like I have taken this and already tried to slap it onto something else to see if it would work. It's a cool like, trait. This is so great. Yeah, I'm surprised more monsters don't get it. Like, I understand the value of having a signature thing for a spectator to do, but the spectator kind of already has its signature thing. It's the beholder that can choose its eye rays. Literally, the only other creature I can think of, like having gone through uh, the the monster manual a bit, the only thing that has anything similar to this is the Tarrasque. Hmm. Like, yeah. it has its reflective carapace for yeah. spell stuff. Yeah. So, like... Yeah, this is a really neat trait. It, the, I... So, like, I can imagine this being shitty for the wizard if the wizard is the only spellcaster in the group. But D&D &D is so magic-heavy that I don't feel like that will ever happen. I imagine there will always be at least two spellcasters in every group. Yeah, not only will it never happen, very rarely will your wizard be casting spells from within 30 feet. Sure, So, like, yeah. it won't get targeted by its own spells, but yeah, <laughs> boy, I, howdy, can you as the DM give the wizard the biggest shit-eating grin as you deflect <laughs> a firebolt into his friend? <laughs> like, that's 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 very fun. I What I mean is, like, you know, if the... If you're the only thing lobbing spells at the spectator who can every turn deflect a spell, you've effectively yeah. become useless if, you know, if your right. your spells are not getting through, like if you're a shitty wizard. Uh, but all of those things are such edge cases that I'm not actually worried about it. I was just grappling for something to hate about it because I love it so much. I love it so much. It's so good. Like, 
And like, it doesn't even have to be an attack spell. No. Like, d- suggestion. Yeah. Like, hey, spectator, sit down for 10 minutes. Yeah. And the spectator's like, what if your fighter did that instead? And the fighter sits down and is like, oh, no. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah, it's so good. And then, like, you know, as a point of flavor, the spectator can get an at-will create food and water such that it can keep itself alive without having to leave its post, right? Yeah. Also, fun idea to have the spectator be a chef, you know, just for fun. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? I, yeah, magic chef. Well, make me love it more so you can make me feel bad when it goes crazy. <laughs> yeah, you get there and you're like, oh, I've heard there's a big four-eyed monster guarding the thing. And it's just a spectator flipping some omelets. Yeah, yeah. Chef spectator, you're a spicy <laughs> meatball. You're the spiciest meatball of all. So, yeah, so in many ways, the spectator acts as an even more fast-paced and in some ways crushing version of the Beholder fight, and I love it for that. Oh, yeah. You know, since the, it can choose its own eye rays, the fight feels a lot more deterministic and a lot more strategy-centric compared to the average Beholder fight. Another thing that I love, at the same time, it still keeps the, you know, endure all of this paralyzation and confusion rays while I'm trying to chase down the pinata spirit of the beholder fight that makes it cool so good yeah so good so so good and you know as an encounter obviously the the size and the space and the arrangement of the space in the encounter will make it harder so like the more gaps for the spectator to float over the harder it'll be for the players but like truth be told the spectator is so good and encapsulated as it is i'm fine with just throwing it in a 90 by 90 room and calling it a day yeah and like again like going back to the 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 magical guardians work around pacifist assassination route when you're setting up this like battle arena for the spectator to fight the people trying to take its thing make sure they can't get to the thing yeah put it behind like a locked door yeah <laughs> don't yeah. just have it like on an altar that the spectator's in front of cuz your rogue's just going to cunning action dash grab the thing off the altar and then book. Yeah. And then the spectator just disappears. Yes. Yes, that that is true. I kind of like the idea of a, like you said, like a non-lethal means of getting rid of a spectator that you kind of like. Yeah. Such that, like, you know, you're trying to do this heist for the good of the guard. I like that idea as an adventure hook, sort of. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm down with making, like, a vault kind of thing. I'm also down with the idea of the spectator at once trying to protect itself and protect this thing. So spending, Mm. you know, one of its two I-beams to save itself and then the other I-beam to keep the rogue from doing that exact thing I also think might be a decent encounter. Paralyze the rogue. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, so there's an an awful lot of ways that this can shake out. The spectator is pretty versatile, pretty neat monster, very nice, very self-contained. Spell reflection is cool as shit. I'm way down yeah. for the spectator. I think it's my favorite beholder, at least in this book. I think so. I think yeah. you're right. And that's like, you know, compared to the fucking floating skull that raises zombies at no cost. Yep. Like, the spectator has yep. to be real, real fucking good. And it is. He's just so special. Yeah. It's like, the Death Tyrant is so like, oh, yeah. oh you like edgy beholders who are skulls and exactly. can raise zombies. But the, the spectator is so just like, Hey, I'm just a floating eyeball guy with some cool stuff. Yeah, he just wants to do his job. He's a good boy who got roped into a shitty situation. (laughs) He's got fun little madness quirks, you know. Yeah. Trauma. Yeah, well, you know, I can take or leave that. (laughs) 
I mean, I guess I could yeah. specifically leave that, but <laughs> the rest of it is good. The rest of it yeah. is at least an A for me. I agree. Yeah. So that is gonna do it for the rest of the Beholders. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to check out some more Tooth and Nail, or feel free to check out the rest of Nerdsmith's uh, selection of shows. If you're feeling really generous, feel free to subscribe to Nerdsmith and kick us yeah. some money. Give that subscription. Yeah, I promise. We'll cry with joy. Yeah, we'll take your money and we'll weep into it. Yeah, um, we'll take the five bucks, <laughs> throw it on yeah. the floor, and pretend it's a Scrooge McDuckian vault. <laughs> we'll dive into each other on top of five dollars. Yeah, so if you want to see two lads climb on top of each <laughs> other and crumple a five dollar bill, <laughs> please subscribe to Nerdsmith. <laughs> yeah. It'll make for a good afternoon for us. <laughs> In the meantime... Uh, what's our creature comfort for this one? Oh, uh, let's see. Spectator would make us some hot cocoa. Yeah, get you some hot That's cocoa. That's number one. Treat your security guards right. Yeah, please. Yeah. Just doing just doing their jobs. Yeah, they're they're good lads. They're just trying to protect your stuff. Don't be a shitty summoner to your spectator. <laughs> give, Agreed. Give your beholder a pat. Some beholder slaps. <laughs> some, some nice stock slaps. Just yeah. a little. <laughs> Have a good day. Have a good day.